At the Commonwealth Policy Foundation, we try to approach the issues of life, marriage, religious liberty, and fiscal integrity from a biblical perspective that promotes thoughtfulness and kindness. We work with political leaders and concerned citizens from all across the state. To stay informed, visit CommonwealthMatters.org and sign up for our e-newsletter. The Commonwealth Policy Foundation is a nonprofit organization that only exists because of friends like you. Thanks for tuning in to the Commonwealth Matters. Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, here with good friend and co-host Ron Hicks, and we're going to talk about Jesus. Amen. Right. There you it's go. Good to, good to have you in the program. Hey, it's morning. always good to be here. One of my favorite topics. Yeah. You as a pastor, I know you talk about Jesus every Sunday. Uh, me and my work in the public policy realm, working for biblical values, uh, Jesus is who motivates me. Biblical principles is what undergirds uh, what we do and what we're working for. And you know what's been on my heart uh, for quite a while is to share my story. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I were just talking a few minutes ago about a lot of people outside the church look at believers as people that have always had it together. Sure. You know, their life sure. is together. They don't have drama. Uh, you know, they're, they're going to church regularly. They're praying, reading the Bible. Well, you know, we all have stories before we got saved before we got plugged into church not not just before you got saved in the church you want to know what goes on in family and church volunteer in the children's ministry yeah or the parking lot ministry yeah. you'll see families arguing coming into the parking lot and kids tell it all you know and so nursery workers are the biggest confidants at all because they realize they can't tell those stories but even folks in church are coming to church because we need healing it's a hospital it is a hospital and i think that's one of the sad things about us as believers and i want to just confess that we put on a good game day face sure. we come to church with smiles and we're all dressed up and we seem to have it together but on the way to church we might have been arguing in the car or getting ready for church that previously that morning we might have been having fights or whatever. And, sure. And the truth is, is that we uh, we don't have it together. Uh, we are works in progress. Uh, God is still uh, working his grace in our lives. And, Ron, we all have stories before uh, we came to faith as well. And Absolutely. I'm going to share mine yeah. in this program, too. And some of it is going to be tough, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even surprising to some of the uh, listeners out there. Well, jump into it, brother. I'm ready to hear. I, I know, we've been friends for 20-something years, so I know a lot of your story, but I'm mm-hmm. sure you've held some of that back even from me, so I'm, I'm anxious to hear from you this yeah. morning. Well, I'll, I'll start out with this, that uh, I grew up in the church at a very young age. Uh, my parents uh, took us to church, uh, actually uh, baptized Catholic. Mm-hmm. My mother okay. so- and her side of the family's Catholic, baptized Catholic. My father, uh, he and his family uh, were Methodist. Uh, they started out in the Catholic Church, but uh, some years uh, down the line, they had a friend. My dad actually had a friend who shared the gospel with him mm-hmm. and invited him to a, a charismatic church. Uh, that's where they started uh, going, and that's where I was raised. Uh, uh, vacation Bible school when I was five years old, heard the gospel. I remember, you remember those felt boards? Oh, yeah. Where they would put the figures. Oh, yeah, sure. Were, Tell the little Bible story, move the figure, sure. Yeah, yeah. well, we the gospel was shared to us through the felt board. And I remember the um, there was a heart, you know, your heart is uh, is black with sin, but here you, or your heart can be made white and mm-hmm. uh, you can be happy if you believe in Jesus, if mm. you confess your sins and believe in him. And I remember the Sunday school teacher saying, 
who would like to uh, believe in Jesus and have a white, clean heart? Sure, and sure. Every raise their yeah, hand. yeah. Raise my a revival hand. in Sunday school. Of course, everybody great. does. You know, when you're five years sure. old, you want to do what the sure. Sunday school teacher saying sure. is right. And right. Uh, that's where I was introduced to the gospel, really, and uh, grew up in church. Uh, every Sunday morning, we'd be in church. Uh, around the dinner table, uh, at the end of the day, we'd pray. Um, there were biblical values taught in in my home, but uh, I wasn't really discipled. I didn't, you know, we'd go to church, we'd have a very lively experience, dynamic worship, uh, a message that was compelling. But, you know, there really wasn't discipleship there. Take just a minute and unpack that, because you say biblical principles were taught at home, so yeah. mom and dad are instilling in you thoughts from the Bible. Yeah. What's the difference in that in discipleship? Yeah, so when I say biblical principles, there are moral guidelines. Okay. You know, follow the Ten Commandments. Okay. Um, love your neighbor. Be kind to your brothers and sisters. And, of course, we didn't do very well in that. Uh, but there are biblical standards um, that were expected in the home. Honor your mother and father. That mm-hmm. was really enforced. Sure, sure. You know, right. You're going to get a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as far as discipleship, it's a deeper level of training. It is really understanding who God is. Uh, it's understanding his word and how it applies to life. And I really didn't have that. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the church that we attended, again, very dynamic, very lively worship. But uh, there was a lot of, not only not a lack of discipleship, but there was a lot of guilt and fear, mm-hmm. a lot of hell and brimstone, fire and brimstone, mm-hmm. Ron. A lot of legalism. The, there was legalism, yeah. And there was also the sense that you could lose your salvation. Actually, that not just a sense, but that was preached. Okay. Now, that's a different theological bend than you and mm-hmm, I have. Mm-hmm. I think that Scripture teaches the security of believers. Yes. Those who are truly gods can't lose their salvation. Right. But there was that fear there. So I had that gripping fear. Dynamic worship, yes, it was uplifting, dynamic but then there was this fear that you could lose your salvation, and then you throw in a little smattering of non-discipleship. Well, when I was in high school, I began to walk away from the faith. I did not see how it applied. I so you wouldn't get news you could use? Wasn't getting news that I could use, wasn't growing, uh, and that continued on into college. Mm-hmm. I began to really walk away when I studied the sciences. I studied wildlife management and biology, and very wise, intelligent people teaching, how to use your mind, how to think. I didn't get that Mm -hmm. growing up. Mm -hmm. Now, there are some churches that may teach that, but I didn't get it. And I further walked away from the faith because the faith did not teach me this. It didn't teach me how to defend the creation account. It didn't teach – it might have taught me moral boundaries. It didn't teach me how to defend that. It didn't teach me how to apply my calling to the Christian faith. What does a Christian calling look like? Didn't have any of that get plugged into a mainstream state university and uh, learned and enjoyed the field. I didn't see how the faith applied. So would it be an accurate statement that not only did the church not teach you that, the church didn't teach your mom and dad how to teach you that? I I would say that's accurate. Absolutely right. Um, Fell into the party scene. Got involved immorally with my girlfriend. Uh, Eventually, Ron, and this is where it really hit home when I was a sophomore, in high school, between my sophomore and junior year, I got my girlfriend pregnant. And at that time, it was it, it, a lot of my classmates, either they got their girlfriends pregnant or girls I knew got pregnant. You know what? They, they were getting abortions. Mm-hmm. Very common. And uh, so that was not an option for me and or her. And we decided to get married. And uh, that was a transformative experience. 
um, because once you get married and you have a family, you're raising children, uh, you're no longer self-centered, you're other-centered. And then you begin to ask, well, what am I going to teach this child? You know, of course, you nurture and you mm-hmm. care for, you're changing diapers <clears throat> and you're feeding and putting Don't them. touch that, it's hot. And, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But what else do you teach your right. child? What do you teach the child about reality and about God and about how you should live? And God really gripped my heart mm-hmm. through that, began mm-hmm. to work in my heart. Um, my wife and I went on to graduate school after I graduated, and this was the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point, went on to graduate school and studied public policy. And it was at this Christian graduate school called Regent University that God really got a hold of my heart with some mentors, godly men and women who taught a biblical worldview. They discipled us. They taught how the faith applied to all areas of life and to all subjects in college, too, Mm -hmm. whether it was law or government or the arts or sciences. There was an undergirding biblical worldview. That was transformative Mm -hmm. to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ended up Um, moving back to Wisconsin, working there in the public policy and political field for a couple years. Our family continued to grow. Uh, My wife and I have had uh, four children. Uh, Today they range from almost 17 to 29, and um, they're scattered across the country right now. But I want to talk a little bit more about where I am right now, Mm -hmm. how the story continues to unfold. So, Ron, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in just a minute. Okay. Growing up as a child, who did you turn to whenever you had a crisis? Who was your source of strength? Who held you in the darkest situations and became your beacon of light? Most of us will recall the love of our parents, our grandparents, our family. But the harsh reality today is that there are many who face the dark places of life totally alone. Since 1869, the mission and the ministry of Sunrise Children's Services has been to help children in crisis. That need grows every day in Kentucky. Everyone with a passion for children can join us in giving hope to children in need. To learn more, just visit sunrise.org or call 1-800-456-1386. Matthew 25:40 tells us, The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did for me. Now's the time to be a child's source of strength. Come help us at Sunrise Children's Services. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, here with Ron Hicks, and I'm sharing my story as to why I'm a follower of Jesus, and particularly before the break, how God got a hold of my heart. Mm -hmm. Ron, I was sharing... with the listeners that I grew up in church, uh, Bible-believing family, but I wasn't discipled. Eventually walked away from the faith in my high school years and in my early college years, and God got a hold of me through my family. That's a story that many, many listeners may may absolutely relate to, because statistically, uh, teenagers who walk away from church, the only way they come back is when they come back as a, as a family unit. It's humbling, Ron, when yeah. you have a family, when you're changing diapers, and you know, that's not cool, right? Because no. you, when you're a high school kid, you want to be cool, oh, you yeah. want to be liked, you want to fit into the crowd. Reality hits home when you all of a sudden... Have a baby to take care of, and you're changing diapers, and you're getting up at the middle of the night. Crying baby needs to be fed, and as as difficult as that sounds, let me tell you something. There is nothing like that in the world no. to be a parent and to care for children, and to give of yourself to provide for a family, to provide for a child. Yeah. <clears throat> and here's the picture here: 
God does that to us. He's <laughs> we a loving are his father. Absolutely. He's a loving father, but yeah. he cares for us. He's Absolutely. given us life. Mm-hmm. He sustains us. He puts up with our crying, and he loves us all through the process. And when we as parents do that, it changes us in a radical way. Absolutely. And sometimes as much as we pour into our kids, when we get crossways with them as teenagers, sometimes teenage boys and girls in their frustration will scream at me, I hate you. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes even people say that to God oh, as yeah. well. So so tell us where you are now. Yeah, yeah. So you are a, a dear brother, and you've been a confidant and an encourager to me over the years. And, um, you know, I've been involved with Christian ministry for Boy, 23, 24 mm-hmm, years mm-hmm. now, a long time, essentially working for biblical values in our culture, as many of the listening family knows, and um, speaking to churches, working with pastors, having a presence in Frankfurt, working for biblical values there. And I feel like this is my calling, mm-hmm. that this is oh, where God has sure. put me. And <clears throat> he's used us in tremendous ways. Mm-hmm. By his grace, we've seen some really good things happen. Uh, but over the years, uh, what's happened in my family has been really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, as uh, probably about eight years ago, nine years ago, my wife uh, started to walk away from the church and uh, the church that we raised our kids in. And uh, we ended up going to some different churches, um, but it ended up in a place where my wife just totally left the church. Mm-hmm. That was hard because here I'm this guy working with churches, encouraging the church uh, and my family. Encouraging family values. Encouraging family values. And here my own family isn't on the same page. Sure. Sometime after that, Ron, my wife began to publicly come out and identifying with the other side when it comes to moral issues, whether it was the definition of marriage or whether it was moral boundaries Uh, not just coming out like on social media, posting things that were antithetical and the opposite of what I was doing. So when you say on the other side, the other side of biblical values, so her worldview no longer represented biblical values. And just as if I can interject, uh, many of you listeners know Richard, and you know that even though he's mentioning these things about his family, he's not talking about his wife. He's not maligning his wife. That's that's not. He's telling his story, okay. uh, not hers. This is part of his story because two become one. Uh, but we're just going to want to interject that and you yeah. continue. Keep no, and that's continue. a good point. That you know, I'm sharing this too, so that listeners and that you know, I prayed about this and the wisdom of sharing this because there's a danger, Ron. People could misuse this. Uh, they could misinterpret it. Uh, but I felt like it, and I, I felt led to do, share this because it can encourage others uh-huh. by hearing my story. Uh, it's also something that can disarm the enemy. The enemy likes to hold stuff over mm-hmm. our heads and and put guilt on us and to try to shame us. You know, he whispers in our ear, "I know, yeah. I know." But I know this. Yeah, come on now. There's a God mm. who can work through our That's messes right. and a God who can work through the darkness That's and the right. most evil intentions mm-hmm. uh, that are that are out there meant to inflict harm on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, God can work that's through right. that. And that's why I'm sharing this story. Uh, but w- so back to when my wife was publicly coming out uh, in opposition to the work I'm doing, that was very difficult. I felt crushed. I felt like my ministry was at an end, maybe. How can I do this credibly while my wife is against me? And uh, what even made it more difficult is that eventually she, she left the marriage. And um, it's, there's no finality. There's no divorce. But that's where it's heading mm-hmm. right now. 
And uh, that's been very, very, very difficult. You want to talk about brokenness, and you want to talk about grief, and you want to talk about pain. Uh, I can relate to people who've been in that situation of marital separation, heading towards divorce. I can, um, I feel what they've felt. I've experienced what they've experienced. And um, it has been a very difficult, difficult Mm -hmm. time. Uh, At the same time, I've seen God work. I've seen him encourage me through his people, you, other pastor friends, my church family. I'm part of a men's group. And if it weren't for these uh, various people in my life, I'd be worse off. So on one hand, you have this turmoil going on. one, the biblical says, Bible, the Bible says that uh, a man should leave his mother and father, cleave to his wife, and they'll become one. So one is being ripped back into two again, and they can't ever be that way. Yeah. So that's what's going on at home. But in your professional life, you're at, at the governor's mansion, you're, you're having more and more speaking opportunities and all the rest of that. And it just seemed, did you ever think that it was, it was a double life? I didn't feel like it was a double life. Okay. I feel as I looked in Scripture, I saw a lot of the people that God used yeah. that were deeply, deeply hurt. They had marital issues. I think of David. Man, he had some marital issues there. He divided family, and yet David was called a man after God's own heart, yes. still used by God. I see others. I, th- I see uh, Hosea the prophet. <laughs> yeah, he was told to marry Gomer, uh, which she eventually became a prostitute. And uh, God used him. Uh, I see brokenness in, in Abraham's marriage. There was brokenness there. Moses, there was indication of brokenness there. Uh, there there's, there's brokenness in the best of marriages. Absolutely. And uh, God can work through this, Ron. Mm-hmm. So, yes, there's been, it's been it, at times discouraging. It's been very painful. It's been something I would not wish on my worst enemy. But is God present? Yes. Has he sustained me in the darkest moments? Yes. Can he work through this to his glory in the end? Absolutely. And that's why I'm sharing this message, because I want people to know that even if you've grown up in the church, even if you've walked away, or maybe you're in a difficult marriage now, maybe your spouse has left you, there is a God who can work through the mess. He is there with open arms, ready to hold you, ready to encourage you and comfort you. That's the good news of the gospel. I was at a point, by the way, where I could have left the faith and just said, I can't do this anymore. Or maybe not even gone that far to leave the faith, but I could have just left the ministry. Yeah. And I've thought about that mm-hmm. very, very seriously mm-hmm. to maybe get a, a, a state job or work for another nonprofit, but just stay away from influencing the church and, and our culture according to biblical values. But you know what? A couple things. One is God didn't give that option to me. He didn't call me to do that. Number two. I, the enemy would have really been happy mm-hmm, about that. Mm-hmm. He would have been happy to get me off the battlefield. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so I'm in, still in place. I'm still fighting the battle. Um, things have been hard and challenging, and yet there's been a time of growth in my life. A good friend of mine was sharing with me, uh, somebody was asked, um, asking a, a national theologian, a nationally known uh, pastor, how do you get close to Jesus? How can I get closer to Jesus? And the response by this pastor is actually Paul Washer. And Paul Washer said to this person, get really, really broken. Yeah. Get yeah. really, really broken. I was really thinking the word, the word suffer. Yeah, suffer. And, yeah. and, and that's how we do it. It's, <clears throat> it's uh, when we are at the end of ourselves, when we have nothing left, when we are grieved, uh, the only place to look is up. And the only 
one who can help us is Jesus. Amen. He knows our griefs. Mm-hmm. He was a man very acquainted with grief. Oh yeah. You know, he took he took the sins of the world on his shoulder. He was living in this world amidst the brokenness, amidst people who are suffering, and he had great compassion for them. He had uh, he was dedicated to them. He tried to fix the brokenness, heal those who were uh, you know the lame, the blind, uh, you know the deaf, and he came to make. Uh, what is wrong right mm-hmm, again mm-hmm. now i i i know you and i i kind of i knew the answer to the question before i asked it about whether you thought it was a double life but did you ever think that the enemy would try to use what was going on yeah. as as a to try to get in and say oh look he's he's saying these things publicly yeah. but but let me tell you about his life yeah. about absolutely. what's really going on absolutely that was something it was like the devil was perched on my shoulder right. at moments ron whispering in my ear you're lying. You're not being transparent. Uh, you can't be used. And fortunately, uh, in this time, I had godly counsel I could mm-hmm. lean on. Mm-hmm. Shared some with you. Yeah, man, we've had a number yeah. of conversations. Absolutely. Shared some with my board members. I've shared some with my pastor. He and I have met um, throughout all of this, and I find that we have a choice in when we're dealing with tough situations. We can hold it in. We can keep it to ourselves and try to go it alone like the Lone Ranger, and that never works well. Or we can lean on our brothers and sisters in Mm -hmm. Christ and share with them, as it's appropriate, what we're struggling with, what's going on, and ask them to pray for us. Now, make sure that you share with people who are mature, people who are you can trust and that they're going to keep it in hold confidence. Your confidence yeah and this is something i've been very careful with because i'm in a very public ministry and i'm not i've not shared with everybody and it's been very slow how i've rolled this out to certain people and this is really the first public time that i've talked about this mm-hmm. and people i'm close to and people i trust i have shared it with mm-hmm. my hope in all this ron is that god the the enemy meant it for evil mm-hmm. and i trust that god will use it for good somehow on that note, we need to take a quick break, okay. and uh, we'll come back for the last spe- segment. I'm going to talk about why I'm a follower of Jesus. Okay. So stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. It's clear that the news media isn't always fair. In fact, there's lots of far-left bias and political gamesmanship. No surprise there. So if you're looking for a perspective that's grounded in the truth of Scripture and our nation's founding principles, then get plugged into CPC's resources. Sign up for our e-newsletter at CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org. You can also follow us on Facebook at Commonwealth Policy Center. And we're on Twitter at cpc for kentucky Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson, here with Ron Hicks. And, Ron, we are talking about why I'm a follower of Jesus. Just shared my previous story. Uh, it was a condensed version mm-hmm. of it, but I hit the main points, I think. And, um, you know, when we go through difficult times uh, as believers, it's easy to lose heart. It's, in fact, a number of people lose, walk away from their faith. If things don't work out exactly right, if they go through a divorce, if they lose a loved one, maybe a child or a parent, uh, some difficulty hits them uh, square in the face, uh, many people leave the faith. Mm-hmm. And um, my situation was this. 
And I, and I remember having this conversation with my pastor, you know, should I leave the work that I'm doing? My wife has left me. We're heading towards divorce. Uh, should, should I leave this calling to God's place before me? Um, the answer was no. Mm-hmm. What, what am I going to do? Uh, God has called me to this. I think my wife would be happy if I left this. I think the enemy would be happy, but God hasn't released me from it. And then to this question, what of my faith? Am I a hypocrite? I mean, is it all this stuff that I've been working for, uh, for not? Uh, where would I go? Where would I go? Even though things didn't work out as I planned, God, I, I'm honoring you with my life. I'm doing what you've called me to do. And then this, my family gets torn apart. How, what did I do to deserve this? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, when I look at God's ultimate goodness, when I look at what he's done for me, the sacrifice he made for me on the cross for my sins, and when I look at his great compassion and care for me, I can't blame him for mm-hmm. anything. I've, I, I really can't. Right. He cares for me even in the midst of my suffering, even in the midst of my pain. He is there. And where would I go? Well, not only you, but he cares for your wife, who who right now is distant. He cares as much for her as he does for you. And he yeah. desires reconciliation, whether that ever happens or not. But he, he loves her equally. And I think that's I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, Ron, I am still a follower of Jesus um, because of this very difficult season he sure. put me in. Um, other believers, we talked about some people in Scripture that have had difficult marriages and have gone through difficult times. There are uh, uh, great heroes of the faith that we look at that have had tough marriages. John Wesley was one, very, very strained marriage. Uh, another one was, um, oh. Why the, are you thinking of that name? I was just thinking. You know, I was just, it just escaped me. One of the fathers of modern missions. Sure. Uh, I believe had a tough marriage. There, there was Charles Spurgeon. Didn't he suffer from debilitating uh, depression. depression? He did. Yeah. Charles Spurgeon and, and had horrible physical pain. Yes. Yeah. And so we see many believers that have struggled sure. through things, but they didn't lose their faith. God, in our weakness, He is made strong. Mm-hmm. In our imperfection, God's perfection is made known. And that's been one of the encouraging things to me is that um, He's been with me. And I'm seeing my faith strengthened and increased. Doesn't mean I'm out of the woods yet. and Doesn't mean that it's, I'm on easy street. But God is real. He's walked through this with me. And um, he's good. He's good. So, <clears throat> Ron, I want to just share a little bit as to uh, why I'm still a believer. Okay. I mean, why am I a believer to begin with? Well, because God is real. Uh, personally, I mean, that's an objective reality. He's objectively real. But personally, Faith in Christ has changed my life. Um, you know, Christianity compared to other worldviews, by the way, <clears throat> is so distinct, so unusual. The story is uh, is amazing. If you look at atheism, the world is a cosmic accident. Buddhism, the physical world is an illusion. Hinduism, there's birth and rebirth, the reincarnation uh, of people where there's, they go to higher or lower form of life, which means there's no dignity for all people. Islam. Uh, believers are only afforded rights and unbelievers are second-class citizens. In all of these religions, they all teach that you must work your way to God. Mm-hmm. It's only Christianity that teaches that God came down to earth and he, he did worked the his work. way to us. He worked his way to us and he worked. He, he actually uh, did the initiating. He yeah. reconciled mm-hmm. us, a sinful, fallen man, to a holy God. That's right. 
it's radically different than any mm-hmm. other religion. Uh, this is what Second Corinthians 5.18 says, All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Christianity, Ron, best explains origin, meaning, morality, and destiny better than any other religion. It is a comprehensive, consistent uh, religion. When you look at the word, the prophecies that are in the, in the book, uh, they've come true. The prophecies of Jesus some 700 years before he was born came true uh, when, he, when he was born. <clears throat> you know, we have in his word a guidebook for life. We have words of life. We have a Savior in there mm-hmm. who tells who us how, how yeah. much he loves us yeah. and that he cares for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the good news of the gospel. Run. We, are, we, are, we just have a minute here. I want to share just a couple of passages that um, for anybody listening out there who's gone through a tough time, maybe you grew up in church and uh, you've walked away from it. Maybe, you've, maybe you're in church right now and you have a difficult marriage. Maybe your spouse has left you and you're not wondering where to go. Please know this, that there is a God who deeply, deeply cares for you. He loves you. He is for you. He's asking you to come to him. He's asking you to leave your stuff behind, <clears throat> to let, the, let your burdens go. In fact, he says in, uh, let, let's see here, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Ron, that is good news. Mm-hmm. These are the words of Jesus, and we need to hear these words regularly. Brother, we are out of time. Amen. I Do I hear you say, Richard, that, yeah. that God's grace has been sufficient? It has been very Amen. sufficient. Amen. Amen. Thank you for your transparency, brother. You're welcome. God bless you, Ron. 